Hi, I'm here for the No Safety, No Work campaign, and I've got with me four people who are working in higher education. Some are on the educational staff, some are doing support work, and another one is a librarian from four different universities around the country. We're going to see what it's been like for them in uh, in this COVID situation. So if I can start with, with you, Zach, what has it been like at the university for you since the start of the students coming back in September? Pretty tough, I think, both for staff and students. It's not been so bad on the amount of teaching done on campus. There has been too much, in my opinion, but not from personal individual point of view I've not felt unsafe particularly on campus but the amount of work we've had to deal with has just increased massively um, and I know that some of my colleagues do feel uh, that they felt unsafe on campus particularly those ones that are doing a lot of tutorials that could have been dealt with online they've had to come in onto it. I think one of the things which has really got people down is the sort of actions of the management and they've sort of been very similar mirrored the actions of the government in that it's very much, rather than taking a line and saying this is what we're going to do it's been so reactive and so they made a mistake and then they reacted so again people end up doing online lectures then they're going moving to real lectures then they're moving back to online lectures and so the amount of work and tiredness that people are getting has just really burned them out whereas if they just simply said at the beginning of September everything's going to be online for that however long it would have made things a lot simpler so I think you've seen a lot of the mirrors that you see and the politicians making mistakes are very similar by the employers making mistakes. So, Ned, what's it been like for you as a librarian in the situation? I think I've had it probably better than lots of academic staff, certainly, in that we have been, there's probably been less kind of reaction in terms of uh, how our work will change day to day in terms of what the government say, certainly with what I'm doing. So we're very much kind of, working from home and have been from sort of end of March, start of April. And there wasn't really any suggestion that we were going to do anything other than that through the kind of autumn term that much of what, really all of what we do could be handled online and it would be best if that were the way it was going to be. I think there has been a little bit more for academic staff where I am a similar situation to what Zach's described for academic staff. They've been given a much more of a, yes, we're going to be online only. Oh no, we will have to have some face-to-face. And then there being kind of problems with how little time you've got between that decision being made to then get all of those things ready. But from my own perspective, we've been fairly steady from right the way through. So, Rob, how has it been for you? Um, I'd echo a lot of what Zach said earlier. I think workload's been a big part in this because you've had people going in teaching online, which is the right thing to do. But at the same time, they've got an enormous amount of work to prepare stuff online, um, which they wouldn't ordinarily have to do. You just go in and whatever you do. And so that actual preparation is not taken into account in anyone's uh, loading, you know, or it's certainly underestimated anyway. It doesn't it doesn't make up for it. So there's an ongoing, um, there's always ongoing issues about the amount of work people are putting in, in preparing online stuff and where that balances out in their workload as well. Now, one of the things that I've noticed, because I'm also a union rep, um, one of the things that I've noticed is you'll get a lot of 
let's call them rogue middle managers who interpret who have interpreted things as they wished or as, as suited them. So I've had to deal with cases where you've had people who have been called in, called to travel long distance on public transport to turn up and be on campus when they didn't need to be on campus and all kinds of things like that. And I've had to go in and shout at people. Well, not go in because I've actually not been in anyway throughout this period. I've, I've been one of the lucky ones in that I've been totally online um, for the whole, for the whole, since, since, the uh, lockdown since September, in fact. So there's ongoing things. I'll also echo again what Zach said about employers echoing the government. I think they're very lazy. What they do is they just use the whatever bullshit the government's coming out with. They will just follow that. They'll toe the line on that. They'll use it as a crutch. I think there are very few university management that are forward thinking in this, that are really worried about health and safety. They're worried about the bottom line. You know, um, a lot of universities now, they're in debt. They've got, you know, there's been sort of buildings programs all over the place. Uh, my university is no different with its uh, buildings programs and many others. And students coming in as well. Students have been called in to the campus. You've had overseas students who've been asked to come in. Although, to be fair, where I work, they've been allowed to work from their home country, you know, to a degree, but there are exceptions. So, yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. And management at my workplace and probably most of the workplaces, maybe the notable exception, have been awful. Deck, how does that compare with your experience in Scotland? Yeah, greatly uh, similar in as much as that kind of individual heads of departments and people at that kind of level have been pressurising staff to come in for no good reason. There's inconsistency across the... There's obviously an inconsistency across the sector, but there's inconsistency in specific universities, including our own. Um, and certainly, I think one of the problems for particularly for uh, teaching staff, is that the notion of blended learning is always kind of dangled. And the idea that the move to blended learning from entirely online is, is always almost imminent. Uh, there's always these kind of uh, proposals that it will start on a, you know, a, a certain week and so forth. And they're all so incredibly re unrealistic. I've been working from home since March last year. I haven't been pressured to come in at any, at any stage, but I'm a support worker and most of my work is one-to-one. -one. I do a certain amount of seminar work, workshops, um, presentations and so forth. And I've been doing quite a lot of those as well. But the main increase has been in terms of one-to-one -one pastoral support, which has really risen the crisis and the way that students are operating, how they're feeling under the, the present situation. And that's put a lot of pressure on the support services. What? Does anyone else want to respond to anything that people have been saying? Rob? Yeah, I mean, also what Dex says, I've not been pressured either, you know, and is I've, I've been in, well, I was, I think I was one of the earliest people to get coronavirus. We had it very early on anyway. And so everyone was very sympathetic and it was off. And then I just never came back. I've not been in since then. And there's been, never been any pressure. And it is this, it depends whichever faculty you work in or who's your manager. I mean, usually they, if you go above that, they'll, they'll, you can get them to lean on people and say, stop messing about, you know? It also involves people having having the confidence 
to confront managers. And a lot of people don't because that's not where we are at this point in history. Many workers don't have confidence to confront the managers, you know. And I think what's important is trying to build that confidence with people you work with. The ability to say, I don't think I'll, I don't think I can do that. I better check with the union first whether I can do that. You know, just something simple as that. So what kind of struggles have there been, um, either of the staff or of the students at your university or even in your own union that you know about? Zach? I guess it's been a lot, as Rob said, it's a lot of the, the confidence of so many workers is low that much of the struggle is basically people coming to the union asking for help or asking basically, what do I, ha- what do, I have to do to not get my boss, my union line, line manager off my back? We did have a little bit of collective action from some support workers at my uh, university, which is great. But so much of it has been individualistic. And I think that this is actually like, Rob, I'm involved in the union. And one of the things that's really brought up is this tension between some of this quite conservative small C branch, which I'm involved in, and it is overwhelmingly service orientated. And one of the things I'm having is struggling with other people in the union basically saying we've got to take a more organistic organizing approach you know we're not just uh, a sort of more workly friendly hr or an insurance company or something we need to try and organize and collectivize this struggle and that's not only been made against management which obviously clearly want to do that individual perspective but it's also against a lot of the people in the union who really actually do want basically to work with management and it's really been quite challenging to try and not push against a more organising approach. And so that's been a really hard thing. Student thing is it's a bit different. There's not been too much student collective action. It's quite a strange campus between sort of the main, quite a bit of tension between different groups in the student campus, I'd say. What has been happening is that a lot of students in our area, and I think this is genuine, it's not just management saying, is that they do want more and more face-to-face, in-person teaching. They've been pushing for it. Um, and so that is becoming up, I guess, a bit of a com- I wouldn't say conflict necessarily, but a, a, a tension between uh, what staff have been arguing for and what some students have been facing. At the same time, there's also some students that really don't want any teaching on campus. And you can tell this because some of the teaching we have had on campus, the attendance has been appalling. So they're generally scared and don't want to go in. So again, there's this, some students are asking, we want more because we're getting Felix better in-person teaching is better quality you know at least it's more connecting other students are really I'm quite scared I don't want to come to campus so it's, it's, it's all very atomizing I guess again so so Ned what's been the response of students to the changing role of the library because the library has often been at the center of student life in many ways so has there been any reaction from the students there's not been certainly not a lot of negative reaction that I've been aware of. I mean, the library is open, but the role I have doesn't require me to go into the building to do that role. So what we have are um, a few staff who do, um, but as far as I'm aware, that was all very much on a kind of voluntary basis. And we certainly had a number of staff who were desperate to come back to, to work anyway. So what we have certainly is a it's changed. It's different from our normal kind of our opening hours are shorter. You can have far fewer people in. It's all been set out so that you can work at a distance. There's no group working allowed this year. So it's a very different space. So maybe the one negative I have heard from students is concerns about working in groups because some of them still want to work in groups and the library has usually been the place where that's uh, easy to do it. And 
it, it's just not allowed at all this year and staff are going around the place and kind of splitting up students if they do try and study together. But what, what I've seen, I think, is that most students are kind of aware of what's going on and are reasonably kind of sympathetic to, you know, things can't just be the same as they normally are. What our um, library certainly done is a lot of the support that we normally provide, and we do provide a huge amount of support in all kinds of ways, kind of workshops and one-to-ones and things like that. Everything we normally provided in previous years face-to-face, we provide online now. I think we're we're then able, we're kind of accessing a lot of students who we didn't actually get before when we were working face-to-face with people. And there's lots of students who are finding it more convenient to be talking to us online than it was having to come to the building or catching students we didn't used to catch because of you know the the hours that we worked and the hours they worked. Whether that remains the same as we get kind of closer to the end of year and big assignments are due in and obviously there'll be plenty of students starting dissertations uh, at this point. I think that I think the negatives are more likely to come from their inability to access resources in the way that they previously have because a lot of resources are still only available physically. Lots we were able to make lots of other electronic resources temporarily available in the first part of lockdown and through the summer at the end of last year. Um, whether we'll be able to do that again this year, I don't know. But so far, I mean, there's just far fewer students on campus than there would normally be. So we've done things like getting rid of the the, the cost attached to doing postal loans for students. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of work going in to try and make the situation as it is cause as few problems for students as is possible. Um, and I think a lot of the students um, seem to be fairly kind of on board with that mindset. They certainly don't seem to be taken out in the library at the moment. So, Deck, what about where you are? Um, have there been any struggles? What's the position of the union? What's needed doing in order to ensure safety? Well, the representatives of the UCU on the joint negotiating front, they've been basically going into um, online meetings with management on a weekly basis. And they've been really struggling around the, you know, the issues of face-to-face teaching, health and safety, you know, all aspects of health and safety, keeping up-to-date risk assessments, et cetera, et cetera. But always with the policy or position, which is like our branch position, of no face-to-face teaching. And we've, we've called for there to be no face-to-face teaching until the end of this academic year. And indeed, that's been adopted by the, uh, the, the UCU in Scotland. That is not the position of the Scottish Government, however, who are still talking about uh, bringing students back in March. So, so you know, it's, it's been a kind of a kind of a consistent law of attrition, if you like, between the union and and management. Management are very, very slow to move at all in any of these areas, whether it's undertaking up to date risk assessments, particularly, for example, with the, the new new variant of the coronavirus. And the management's also been sticking to the policy of the Scottish government, which is that masks are to be worn everywhere on campus, except in classes, except in classrooms, which just doesn't seem to make any sense at all, really, because not all of the classrooms are organised in such a way that there is a, a significant physical distancing. So, yeah, so that's that's kind of the areas that we've been struggling around. I mean, obviously, like there have been some student revolts in certain places, for example, Manchester and Glasgow University. 
right? So students are in halls of residence actually, you know, organising and mobilising and protesting against the situation in which they find themselves. Which And, and that is basically the students, including at our university, of course, were dragged back onto campus or, or if they were first years, invited onto campus in September when there was going to be no chance of face-to-face teaching. So the only reason for them to leave their homes was basically to populate the halls of residence and to pay the, the rent, obviously. Yeah. So the, there, was, there was anger, but it didn't sort of manifest itself in a national movement. There was the Goldsmiths, Rent Strike, for example, quite recently. And there's, there's, there's been places where that kind of resistance has occurred, but mostly it hasn't. There, there hasn't been the kind of uh, response that, you know, we would have perhaps uh, expected. Have they been pushing for more face-to-face te- teaching or are they on board with the idea of online learning? Well, the student union is on board with uh, online learning pretty much because they're realistic, I guess. Uh, In terms of individual students, well, who knows? It would be hard to actually judge that given the present circumstances. Certainly, you know, know, there aren't like mobilisations of students asking to uh, to, to be let back into classes. So it's hard to sort of really think. I think there's a lot of unhappiness among students, you know, and that's manifested itself in a heightened demand for support services. Going back to the library stuff, the library seems to have been the kind of lighthouse at our university for students. It's remained open, different circumstances, limited opening hours, a lot of social distancing, uh, health and safety being put in place. But it's been staffed mostly by the kind of uh, the, the sort of assistants and the non-professional staffs, so-called. And so, you know, the kind of people at the lower end of the pay scale have been forced to take the the kind of hit, as it were, to, to put themselves in the way of uh, potential danger, which is an issue. And of course, those people, are, if they are organised in a union, it will be in probably unison, even um, the uh, Unite Union. Yeah, so no big struggles, nothing like we've seen in Birmingham, where they actually went on strike around health and safety, around a refusal to go in for face-to-face teaching. That's been a very isolated struggle, I think, so it's been nothing like that in, in our in our area. But, you know, we've been doing what we can in terms of holding firm against face-to-face teaching. So, what does your experience compare to what the others have been saying? Well... My union branch, we're going through a bit of transition at the moment from being a branch that was pretty much service-oriented you know, until a few months ago, where it's become more of an organising style branch and much more active. Um, and we brought a lot of the branches sort of involved a lot more people in activities. One of the um, outcomes of that is we've got a good number of health and safety reps now that are all over the place and stick their oar in, but more people are getting involved with other parts of the union as well. So that's all to the good. Now, the problem is, as always, is when you're dealing with management and I'm not involved in any negotiating, okay? But from what I understand, it's just, it's kind of management are continually kicking the can down the road, these kind of delaying, filibustering tactics to get anything done. We're currently in dispute with them at the moment. It's at the stage where it's with ACAS and all that, you know, but management are just using delaying tactics as well with that. 
So it may well go to something else and some kind of industrial action. And this is a dispute. The, the, the stuff around this dispute goes back to, well, months ago that's dragged on and on and has been delayed and management kicking the can down the road. So this has been going on for some time. And there are new things coming up all the time as well. The problem you've got, though, if it does come to anything like um, industrial action, should it do, then there are also difficulties with that as well. Because if you're not on campus and most people are working online, then it's very difficult to have things like picket lines and so on and so forth. You know, it's ironic that the, the last national strike was, you know, was that's when I got coronavirus during the, during the actual strike. You know, so I spent the last part of that strike actually off sick with it. And so coronavirus, the whole coronavirus, COVID situation, will make it, it makes it very difficult to do any consolidated industrial action. It is, there, there are difficulties about it. And I think what needs to happen, we need to be tactical. If it comes to a fight, if it comes to an industrial dispute, whether it's a strike, action short of a strike or whatever, if it comes to that, then how is the best way to deal with it? What's the best way to fight with that, given that it's going to be very difficult to have a, uh, have a, a strike in the old sense of the word and have picket lines and so on, you know? And these are things that need to be looked at. As for the students, where I work, there's been no consolidated action. Uh, other people have mentioned other places like Manchester and uh, it Glasgow, I think, um, and other places where things have kicked off a little bit and uh, the, the goldsmiths people. It's not the norm. I think that's partly, I suppose, if you look back 20 years, maybe it would have been different. It's not 20 years ago and there's not that level of activity amongst the student population. And maybe that's something else that needs to grow as well. That needs to develop amongst people who happen to be students, you know. If we could go on to the next stage. So here we are in a situation where they had talked about people going back and now are being forced to not only in the universities but also in schools that the lockdown is going to have to continue so what do you think needs to happen now what how should people be organizing what should should be aiming to achieve what are going to be the issues in the in the months to come is it the same sort of issues are there some serious uh, problems of people actually being infected and getting the disease that are what are the issues that are going to happen because with the new variant, there certainly are this massive increase in, in cases. And the government has finally admitted that education is a vector of uh, spreading the, the virus. So uh, any thoughts on what we should be doing over the next period? Zach, do you want to start on that? Well, my university have finally managed to get, I wouldn't say ahead, but at least partly they've said all face-to-face te -face teaching is cancelled till at least after Easter. So they didn't just go for the February line, they went pushed it up to Easter, which is probably the best thing I have to give it to them. It's like a lot of argument that, and it's still not what we want to see, which is just cancel all face-to-face -face teaching for the first of the semester. But they have pushed it back to Easter. So that does give people some of that certainty and as it reduces health risks. So that is good. Where I think is problematic is that there's still, I think it's, again, is sort of a similar thing to what you see Gunman. It's the idea that, oh, because... So this individual workplace is quite safe. And actually not many people in our university have caught COVID. They've been quite lucky for one reason or another. But the point is that it is this vector, it's a societal thing. So that we've still got people going on campus to do research, for example. And there's not even really been any sort of methods like, hang on, we can't have people going on to do research at the current time. You know, that needs to be, if not stopped, at least really reduced. Those types of ideas 
Like, this is a society thing rather than just like, oh, one individual workplace is missing. Um, so that's still, I think, something that's going to come up. And a lot of the time, the people, because face-to-face teaching has now been cancelled, but we still got the support services and they will be face-to-face. You've got a situation where, again, what Deck was saying, it's often the lowest paid or lower, lower paid workers that are now having to go on campus and put their health at risk. Um, so our technicians, which are not highly paid, have been doing a lot more face-to-face uh, interaction with students than most academics, ironically. I think the big in- conflict now, though, is probably less health and safety. With this block up until Easter, I think while there are going to be still health and safety issues, I think it's going to be more things around workload, people working with their kids. How do they get around that? Because there's a whole thing are are not university workers key workers and so are they entitled to send the kids the government seems to can't make up its mind again different line managers seem to have their own different views on that how they want to do it so a lot of that time is going to be that people are put under a lot of pressure to do things on very short budgets when they've just been basically really exhausted anyway so i think that's going to be sort of the next thing which is going to go over the next few weeks i think Rob, could you add, you wanted to add to that, what Zach was saying? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the whole key worker thing, and I think that's going to be a, a bit of a tussle there for those who are not who don't know it's there's this current thing to see people who work in universities as key workers and you know some people will look at that and think oh it means i can get my kids into school you know but the problem is it's a world of pain (laughs) what it means is you get to do lots of other things you don't need to do in fact we're not key workers we're in bullshit jobs right that's what we're doing you know yes there are there might be some exceptions for medical people teaching medical courses and things like that that's possibly they could possibly be seen as key workers but i think for most people who work in the university it's ludicrous to be doing that and also the idea of um people getting um getting your kids off school and expecting other teachers in schools to look after your kids as well there's something not quite right about that as well so but this is a thing this is i'm not quite sure sure what going on with this is it some kind of trap they're setting up so that people will go oh yeah goody goody i can get my kids into school you know during the lockdown or what i don't know but it will be i think it could be a site of struggle any attempt to get people back to work when it's not safe is going to be a site of struggle but it's how we deal with that how how we fight that and that will depend on different universities and how militant, the, what tradition of militancy there is in that workplace. Are the staff unionised? Is the union an active organising type union or is it a service union run by a skeleton crew who just do a bit of casework now and again? All of these factors come into play. Is there any sort of rank and file groups there that exist how politicized are people there's a there's a whole multitude of things that will will shape how people fight and how people resist at different universities and also students as well how active are students in this so there's a whole number of factors so what hope do you have for your own university that, that it will continue to develop as more of an organising union? with? Yes, we, we, that's where we go in. There's been some quite significant changes. There's teething troubles, you know, um, but, but it's going well. Could be better, could always be better, but you know, it's doing well. There's some great people involved and good active people and people who are fighters in there. So I'm optimistic for where I work. That said... 
having a big group of people who are active and willing to fight um, and you'll also get a lot of support from a lot of union members when it comes to the crunch you know and people have to take action that's when things matter and the whole thing's set against us anyway because you know with the, you have to have a ballot and you have to get the union to agree at the regional office or whatever to agree and all this kind of thing you've got to jump through various hoops before you get to a ballot stage and then when you get to a ballot you've got to get a certain percentage and all this kind of thing so one of the, the issues around that if you're going to take industrial action the last time we had a ballot for industrial action it was very close we got over the, the ballot threshold because we were there every day. We were in each other's faces. We we're in people's faces, haranguing people and said, have you voted yet? Have you done this? You know, to make sure that they've got the ballot in because if they don't get the ballot in, then it's null and void. However, people vote. How are you going to do that when everyone's working at home online? You know, so it's much more difficult to organise. But I'm confident we're in a better place uh, at my union branch at the moment. So I'm confident, but it's not going to be easy. It seems from what you've all been saying that even though there are things going on in different places, there certainly seems to be a lack of a united effort, whether that be in nationally, for example, with the UCU or between different sorts of staff, lecturers, support staff, that it seems to be potentially problematic that, that everyone is sort of fighting in their own corner and they're not actually uniting and the union doesn't seem to be doing that much to bring all these different work workers together in a kind of concerted effort on a national level. So I don't know, is that the case? What are the chances that there could be more unity between the different universities and between the different workers in the university? Ned? I think that's part of the problem with so many people working at home or even with a few people working on campus and others working at home is you or I certainly feel kind of split up again very much into you having regular contact with the people you are really working with often whereas when you were on campus your offices were mixed you were going to different buildings on campus there was much more mixing of staff within kind of the directorate I work in but also much more broadly so you're able to speak to people about all kinds of things and all kinds of people where Whereas at the moment, I feel very, I mean, I don't feel isolated in a sense, but in terms of who you're actually talking to on any kind of regularity, you're really talking to the people who are involved with the kind of work you're doing um, at your level. And that's about it, you know. You know um, so, Dick, how does your experience also as a support worker, how do you feel about your relationship to other staff and to other universities? Yeah, I mean, ironically, I've probably been in more contact with other members of staff since the lockdown or since, you know, since the start of all this than before, because, you know, these Zoom meetings and so forth have brought us together quite a bit. And in our uh, university, we're trying to organise the academic-related and professional staffs into a kind of a, a committee to kind of bring together people, you know, basically at the moment in the UCU who who want to, you know, heighten the profile of academic you know, related staff within the union within within the fight, which is a good thing. And, and that didn't really happen until until lockdown <laughs> and uh, we had the opportunity to kind of sit down and talk about this kind of stuff. So that's been good. I think one of the issues is that I'd agree with what people have said before about you know mobilizing for industrial action when people are 
mostly at home and a very small number at work in, in, on campus. I agree with that. And there's also the issue that there has been some evidence to suggest that management are taking advantage of the situation to do an analysis of whether many of the staff could indeed do the job from home. And there were certainly, you know, there's been talk rumours, as it were, in, in various places that are different uh, universities, that large numbers potentially, particularly of, of uh, professional staffs, will be offered to the opportunity to work from home on a permanent basis. Obviously, that, you know, has to be uh, um, agreed because it's a massive change to terms and conditions. It has all kinds of implications and so forth. But in terms of organising and struggle, which is what we're kind of interested in, you know, that, that brings, you know, challenges as well. Um, if people are at home, we're going to have to like think about how we kind of organise and how we contact people and how we uh, keep people in the loop and how we mobilise and so forth. So that's interesting. In terms of what we should be doing at the moment, I think, is that we should be saying like no safety, no work, basically, or rather no safety, no work on campus. That's the bottom line, right? We shouldn't be going in until it is safe, Okay, and it, it definitely isn't safe. Definitely isn't safe at the moment. It's just ridiculous to imagine that it is. Even with like really improved health and safety, I think given the nature of, of campus life, I think it, you know it's not going to be safe until basically the virus is more or less on its on its last legs, if not entirely defeated. And that's a long way away, uh, frankly. But I think in the interim, you know, we need to keep up this this position of no safety no no on-campus work and to kind of push management to commit to long a longer kind of view of uh, online teaching and now the, the, obviously there's there's issues with online teaching as well and you know all those kind of problems and the stress that that can bring i mean you know i, I find online teaching can be stressful and, you know, from time to time, depending on circumstances and cohorts and all the, the rest of it. But, you know, it's still the position that we should defend that no face-to-face. And also, no redundancies. That's another thing that management have taken the opportunity to do, is to issue redundancies and to clearly uh, target the precariously employed. And I think that's something we need to be fighting around. In terms of the kind of national campaigning that we do, I mean, the, the coronavirus crisis emerged on the back of a strike which had been, shall we say, less than entirely successful and which morale was notably lower than in the previous strike. So I think, you know, we, we've got a lot of, we've got to be very realistic. We've got to like be building from scratch to some extent again in terms of morale and combativity and so forth. I think it can be done. I'm quite optimistic actually, but it won't be done without a fight. And a lot of thinking as well about what we do next. And because a lot of us are so kind of like tired and busy working from home, finding the time to sit down and think about this stuff, I think is a challenge for a lot of people. Um, does anyone else want to make any other comments about the next few months? Zach? Yeah, just to sort of echo deck, I think coming out of this is going to be really quite big area of conflict. My university, we've not had any redundancies yet. But I think once it's finished, there are going to be major, they're going to have to make more savings. And we've just gone through a really, really significant set of redundancies, about 
eighth of the workforce was made redundant. So we're going to have more redundancies then. I think that's a lot, going to be true of lots of universities. Theoretically, there could be another flashpoint coming sort of towards the autumn of this year uh, in that there should be a decision made about what's happening with pensions, again, which is one of the major causes of the strikes, which were well mobilised in 2018, but then weren't so well mobilised last year. And so that could then kick off again, depending on what happens with that. So I think, I think there's a whole series of real serious conflicts that are going to come up out of this. Uh, I think one of the things which is really quite depressing about it is that I guess it's a bit idealistic. There's a sort of feeling that this could have been dealt with like World War II. It could have been a horrible thing, but it could have like been actually, let's get an act together and change how we do it. So, you know, like online learning, I think a lot of people would say there should have been more moves to online learning before, not to replace face-to-face teaching, but to supplement it. You know, you could have done that and you could have done that by employing loads of the casualized staffs in academia onto it and so a lot of the extra extra work could have been done by sharing it out across lots more people but there's not been any opportunity to take that it's just pursue the same neoliberal course cut to the bone increase workloads decrease pay decrease conditions and i just can't see that changing and i think when it starts to go back to normal it is going to be heightened even more the same sort of pressures that have been on education for the last few years is going to be even more heightened coming out of it. So I think there's going to be a lot of struggle towards probably maybe the beginning of next next academic year. Ned, do you? Uh, yeah, so I wanted to say just something about, I think I think one of the areas that we haven't mentioned already, or I've mentioned but not added anything to it, is staff who go back willingly, very willingly. Because we've mentioned, you know, Rob and Deck and Jack have mentioned the idea that of of staff being kind of pressurised into going back to work. And I'm sure that's true at various places and probably where I am as well. But but there are also are, are staff who are more concerned with going back than whether it's safe to go back or not because they want to go back for a variety of reasons, whether it's, you know, where they happen to live or they live on their own and they're in kind of desperate need of being around some people. But we work in education and a lot of people are very passionate about what they're doing there. Most of us are very passionate about what we're doing there. And I think one of the things that, that works against us in terms of these struggles that we have in education is people focusing on, you know, I want to help the students. I want to make sure we're, they're not suffering in any way and doing and seeing that in a kind of very short term way to immediately help the person who's standing in front of them rather than thinking about, is this in the long term actually helpful for the students and us? And I think and those things are more difficult to talk about as are everything else when you're not actually on campus with these people or they're there and then you're not seeing them. I mean, I think one of the ways that universities will attempt to save money when we go back and cut things back is that they will get rid of some of the space they have. Because I think we will also be looking at not not fully working from home. But I think there's going to be an expectation and even pushed by a lot of the staff that we'll like, we don't need to be coming to an office five days a week when clearly we were able to do our jobs from home. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done virtually everything that we would normally do. There are certain tasks and I'll have to be on campus to do those. But I, I can certainly see us initially going back in kind of staggered ways where half your office is in for some of the days and the other half the office is in for those other days. 
and them rationalising the office space that they currently have and thinking we could either do other things with this space or we could get rid of it entirely and save money in that way. I mean, certainly a lot of universities who have spent huge sums of money purchasing all of the buildings round about what was initially their campus. There's less of that on the university I am, but the other one in the city has done a lot of that. And I think they may decide that actually perhaps we could get rid of some of this stuff. Rob, do you have anything to add for, for about the next few months in terms of strategy or issues? I mean, it was Deck who mentioned the precarious staff and, you know, they've got it tough, the precarious staff. And as precarious staff lose their jobs, you'll also find that, that the permanent staff or the people on full-time or pro-rata contract are suddenly being asked to take on the work of the part-time hourly paid staff who've been cast aside, you know? So that's, I think that's going to be an issue. I mean, they're always going to, uh, well, I don't know always, but in the, the current setup, the way universities are run, there's going to be a demand for part-time hourly paid staff, you know? That sort of flexibility, uh, as they like to say. But at the same time, they're going to want to push a lot of that onto the full-time and fractional staff as well and see how they can do that. And so that's going to be another fight. That, that's going to be an ongoing fight. What we should be doing now is defending precarious staff, you know? No redundancies, make sure that precarious staff are supported and they get paid, that kind of thing. That's what needs to be happening. But... As well as that, we need to be making sure that people who do go, because they're, they're, they might be on a contract that is up and they've not renewed that contract, um, that that work is not being passed on to other people as well. So you're doing two, three, four people's jobs. Well, I'd like to thank all of you on behalf of the No Safety, No Work campaign for taking the time at when you've clearly been working very hard all day on Zoom, probably. So you're probably quite fed up. But I'm yes, sure that, that uh, your discussion, I think, will be of great benefit to our audience. So thank you and all the best for your struggles in the months ahead.